You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain with none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. Welcome to the Propane Fitness Podcast. So I'm pretty excited about this call. A performance coach and a flipping good one at that. Um, And also he is a propane athlete and he's been with us for a while, transformed his body at the age of 50 for his 50th birthday. And the reason we have him on the call today is because he is sharing his journey on something that people often don't talk about very much, which is TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. Now, we want to talk a little bit about his journey getting up to this point and how he discovered that he had low T and what he did about it and what the results have been and also some of the questions that you guys have asked in the group. Now, he has ended up accidentally becoming an expert in this um, just by diving into the world of this and really figuring out some of the pitfalls and some of the stigma and things that are associated with TRT, particularly in the UK. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Yusuf. Thanks for having me. So... Can you give us a, just a, a brief intro about yourself? So you said that you were a um, you're a performance coach, and um, really, what you were doing professionally and physically before all of this started kicking off. Well, that's, uh, that's a good place to start, isn't it? So I was a typical sedentary uh, office worker uh, working in the IT sector, and that was my career for oh, twenty seven years or so. And I sort of got to my sort of mid 40s and, you know, sensed that a lot of things needed to change in my life. And it culminated with waking up on the beach one day. Actually, I wasn't literally waking up on the beach, but I awoke on the beach uh, at the age of 47 and realized that whilst I had a lot of good things in my life, there were some things that I needed to sort out. Not least one of them was my body, which felt like that of a rather uh, decrepit old man. And so I cracked open a fun-sized bottle of Carver. This was on a beach in the Canaries and vowed that I would try and do something to get into good shape by my 50th birthday. So giving myself three years and began my own personal transformation journey. And that just finished, or rather I reached 50. I had the journey hasn't finished, of course, um, just in January this year. So just a couple of months ago. The progress in your uh, in your transformation has been phenomenal as well. Um, if you're okay with it, we'll stick some uh, some photos in the article in the show notes. Um, but yeah, the the that you you've basically lost a whole bunch of fat, got stronger throughout, and yeah, transformed your physique at an age where most people are kind of saying, "Oh, you know what? I'm past it now. I'm not going to even bother." Exactly, and the, the thought I had on the beach was. And it was this found I found this to be very compelling was how much longer do I have in which I can reverse this? And that was a surprisingly uh, strong motivator. The sort of the sense of time running out uh, is a great way to get yourself started and keep yourself going. And yes, I lost uh, four stone. I think I was 31 percent body fat and I got down at the end of the first year of my transformation. I got down to I think it was 9.7. Uh, and i (laughs) so i so i lost a whole load of fat yeah four stone whatever that is 26 kilos that's exactly right yeah i got down to about uh 68 kilos i think it was and 
instantly felt a whole load better. I mean, I had a lot more energy and I felt a lot more confident. And for the first time uh, in a long time in my life, I'd felt uh, confident about taking my shirt off on the beach. But what this uh, year of cutting, which effectively it was, had done was also inevitably uh, I'd lost some muscle as well. So I was in the position of being uh, very lean, but also not being very strong. And there the challenge really began was to try and start to put on some uh, lean mass and increase my strength and start to develop the kind of physique that I suppose I would have dreamed about when I was a 16-year-old kid and not having sand kicked in my face, which, of course, is a ridiculous thing for a 50-year-old man to be thinking about. But I thought about it anyway, and I thought, well, I'll go for it. So there the journey to, to bulking began. And this is where uh, I discovered that it wasn't going to be as easy as I thought it would be. Now, the reason for this was that no matter what I would do, I just couldn't put on any lean mass. And I was, I was working with a trainer and nutrition was all on point. But it just, strength really wasn't going up. And if anything was going to happen when I put on, uh, when I took on sort of excess calories, it was going to be fat gain. And this is where the TRT journey began. So I, I realize it may be difficult to, for you to answer this because you didn't really have a measure beforehand, but I guess you would have had the kind of uh, the clinical measures, the, the, or the, the symptomatic stuff which is, do you think that the year of fat loss precipitated the low testosterone, or do you think that it revealed the fact um, when you started to try and gain muscle and it had always been the case? This is the million-dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> now, I have seen stuff written uh, to suggest that uh, fat loss can cause a decline in testosterone levels. Uh, I've also seen stuff written to say that carrying excessive fat being, uh, well, I was effectively morbidly obese, so um, 30% body fat, uh, also uh, is correlated with low testosterone. Yeah. And of course, so the question there's, is... There's a couple of things <laughs> to, to bring up on that, really, isn't it? So um, a lot of people don't consider fat to actually be an endocrine organ in and of itself. But yeah, I mean, it, your fat cells will produce estrogen and adiponectin. So... Um, the more fat you have, the more it will actually, it will disrupt your your body systems, particularly if it's if it's over um, what is kind of physiologically normal, which unfortunately is most people in the Western world right now. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, yeah, the, uh, the the fat loss that there's some data to show that aggressive fat loss does indeed tank your testosterone and ramp up your cortisol, um, whichever one, you know, chicken or egg, we don't know, but. Um, I've certainly noticed something similar myself. Like last time I dieted, it wasn't too aggressive, but it was um, it was back in 2013, and I think that's testament to the power of a reverse diet. That that was the last diet I had to do, and four or five years later, I'm still reaping the benefits of that. Um, but mm. yeah, at the time, sex drive absolutely tanked. Um, was feeling generally socially anxious. Um, just felt like mojo had been had been lost across all parameters and you know that's most likely testosterone obviously it didn't have anything tested at the time but uh anyone who's been on an extended diet and got quite lean will know that it messes with you from top to bottom absolutely 
Absolutely. And the point you make about cortisol is, <clears throat> is I'm glad you reminded me of that because I do remember during uh, the last sort of three months of my cut, um, having to wake up in the middle of the night several times a night to, to go and pee, um, which apparently is quite a classic sign of high cortisol. Right. Uh, I didn't realize at the time, but uh, as part of all of this investigation and this, this TRT journey, I sort of understood that to be the case. So, yes, there's a lot of things going on when you lose fat. There's a lot of things that cause you to get fat. Uh, of course, one of them is going to be uh, caloric excess, but <laughs> also uh, the state of your hormones uh, and endocrine system That's is... And, and having high yeah. cortisol is, um, is not where we want to be when we're trying to lose fat and maintain our muscle, because essentially... Right high cortisol will put us into what is effectively a pre-diabetic state, which is why you are waking up in the night to go to the toilet, you're less sensitive yes. to insulin, your appetite is dysregulated, and you're feeling crap. And also fatigue sets in more easily when you're training and so on. So, yeah, it's not a good place to be. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, so I was in this position where I sort of looked very skinny, and I was delighted at being, you know, 27, 28 inch waist jeans. Um, but <laughs> I knew that there was a lot more that I needed to do. Mm. You know? And and so, yeah, the, the, the bulking or the attempt at bulking started. And in a nutshell, what happened was that I was, you know, even having reverse dieted up. And I think I got my maintenance calories up to about 3,000. Above that, uh, I really wasn't getting the strength gains, and it was sort of starting to precip precipitate this fat again. So the trainer I was work working with at the time said in sort of rather hushed tones, actually, and this is sort of, we'll come on to the stigma of this shortly, have you considered getting your testosterone levels checked? And I'm like, really? And Because you think, well, well, the fact that he said it in hushed tones sort of suggested to me uh, that, you know, maybe it was sort of, there was only going to be an unusual, uh, unusual or uh, possibly shady way to actually deal with it. Mm. <laughs> uh, very cloak and dagger. Very cloak and dagger. And yeah, also this thing about, hey, dude, you might not be, you know, fully functioning as a man. Yeah, um, it's like, fuck you. Like, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> so <laughs> with some trepidation, I set about exploring whether this could be true. And after doing some testing, uh, discovered that I was actually very low testosterone. And I think on a the the standard scale for treatment on the NHS is between twelve and thirty, um, and that's uh, nanomoles per liter. And I was at seven. Right. So quite a long way off the bottom of the scale. And the bottom of the scale, the eleven, is like for. 80-year-old men. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I bet the normal range for the NHS is very conservative. Very much so. Um, typically, a healthy uh, adult male from sort of, say, 25 to 35 would be around 20. Yeah. And maybe when you're sort of in your late teens, you'd be up 25, maybe towards 30. But, but most people would be around 20. So several uh, standard deviations away from what a healthy male uh, should be testing at. So that was one uh, one aspect of this. But when you're talking about testosterone, there are two, two aspects you need to think about. First, much, first of all is how much testosterone is actually in your system. And then the second thing is how much of it is actually available. 
Um, there are various things that happen. There's uh, just trying to remember the name, name of it. Sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG. And you can have too much of that in your system, which can also then take away the amount of free testosterone that you have uh, in circulation that your body can actually use. So I discovered there were several things to get checked. And fortunately, my SHBG was quite low, which meant that my already low testosterone level wasn't being made even worse wasn't by the being fact pampered, that... Yeah. Yes, exactly. So having had these uh, two readings, I then you know, set about trying to find some treatment. <laughs> yeah. And we can talk about strategies part. to do that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So can you just, just before we go on, can you describe um, some of the symptoms that you were having as, alongside the, so because really this, the low T was kind of prompted and discovered almost um, by chance, just because yes. your, your trainer was like, Hey, have you, have you considered doing some you know, checking testosterone? But, <laughs> but actually, w was there anything else that you were feeling apart from the lack of muscle gain? Yes, I mean, uh, alongside... Uh, you may not have attributed it to testosterone. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the classic ones are around low libido, uh, erectile dysfunction, um, fat gain. Uh, it's a classic, as we said before. Sure. Um, but also... There's some stuff around your sort of mental state and whether that is a sense of brain fog, which is just not being able to concentrate and focus on uh, sometimes even the most simple of tasks. But certainly mm -hmm. if you're doing a really demanding job, um, you know, any really complex task you're going to find quite difficult to do. Um, and also then coupled with that, uh, anxiety slash depression slash feeling a bit meh. So that, that's really interesting that it is multi-system. And I think because yes. of that, it's, we don't default to thinking, oh, it must be an endocrine problem. Like not even, not even a, a, a doctor experiencing those symptoms would make that, that jump necessarily. And it's, right. it's why things like hypothyroidism are, are maybe quite late in diagnosis because um, people just are like, oh, you're just anxious or whatever. Now, yeah. if I were in your position at the time, I would be wanting to, because I certainly do this for myself now, even at 28, is I attribute any kind of general decline in, in, <laughs> in overall function. I just put it down to age. I'm like, oh, I'm getting old. You know, I'm not like I was when I was 18, um, <laughs> which is, which is silly, but you know, that's the default thought. Yeah. And so I imagine, especially, you know, you were approaching 50, you were thinking the same thing. Yeah. Maybe this is just what happens when you get older, you know, you the libido drops off and you, your brain doesn't work, you know. <laughs> pretty rubbish. It does sound rubbish. And, yeah, I think if, if you are a male of a certain age profile and you come from uh, being fat, I think, and you're experiencing some of these symptoms, I think it's good to sort of, you know, push back a bit with your doctor and just explore whether they could be down to low testosterone. Right, and it's and it's an uphill struggle, and uh, I would like to, I think at this point, discuss a little bit about the the stigma. So, so first of all, from yeah. when you were told, do you think you should consider checking your testosterone? As you yeah. said, it's like this is almost a slight at me as a man, and then secondly, yeah. 
how the hell do you even go about doing that in the UK where it's not it's not a well-known thing in healthcare except for yeah. emails interestingly which I guess you yes. I've heard you uh, discuss as well so um, yeah there's, there's a lot going on yes it, it, it is strange to think that if you are a woman and you go into a GP and describe certain symptoms they will automatically be having a conversation with you about hormone replacement therapy and Apparently, it does go in cycles. You know, some years they're more likely to talk about it than others. But but generally, I think the sort of, certainly in the UK, the NHS GPs are currently on a pro-HRT uh, uh, wave at the moment. If you go into a doctor as a male and say that, well, you know, my libido is suffering or I've got erectile dysfunction or a bit foggy, and they're probably going to, maybe they will prescribe you uh some uh, sort of Viagra, although I think you can now buy that over the counter. Uh, I think they just changed the law. Um, They might... Oh, have they? Score? Yes, I think they have, yeah. um, We need to check on that, but I think I've read something about that recently happening. Um, Just ordering 100 packs right now online. So, yes, if you you need a whole load of blue pills, you should be able to go into Boots and just get them. Um, And certainly, of course, you can order them online, of course, but anyway, this podcast is not about about that. Uh, but it's, it's more likely to sort of do that, maybe, uh, oh, maybe stick you some on, on some antidepressants, you know, cheer up, old man, you know, mm. have something to tranquilize you a bit, you know, um, have an SSRI, you know, get which, on the Prozac, you know. I'm pretty skeptical of SSRIs in general. I'll, I'll link to an article by Ray Pete, which um, which talks about this. Um, uh, right. And, and there is a thought that actually use of SSRIs is also implicated in low testosterone. Right, interesting. So, so low testosterone and some data says increase in suicide rates. So, yep. um, the, you know, the, this is a bit of a this is a problem. Then, if you have someone that presenting with a low T and systemic symptoms, and they are prescribed symptomatic relief for erectile dysfunction and depression, um, then when there is a there's a clear problem, and and it's not as if it's a, a you know a, a blood test will reveal that quite easily it's not as if um it's something that requires loads of specialist investigation and imaging to discover the yeah. root cause yeah yes yeah, really simple but they won't do it because they haven't been taught to do it i mean this is you know in in becoming a gp you have a million one things to learn about and at the moment uh male hormone health is pretty much at the bottom of the palm considering how many men uh it potentially could affect that's true. And I think, you know, to, to play devil's advocate for the GP, um, considering it's, it's where I'd like to be at some point soon, is, is that I think if you are the black sheep or if, you, if you're the, the kind of renegade GP that does um, start prescribing that for people, not only could you risk making a name for yourself in a, in a bad way, but mm. also there is more recourse if you're traveling a road that's less traveled. Um, because you're then prescribing something that you don't have that if, if it did go to the GMC for whatever reason, yeah. um, you maybe wouldn't have had, you wouldn't have much of a, a defense if it's a much more unusual form of treatment. Um, yeah. I still think you could argue your case. Um, but there's, yeah, there is more potential for sticking your head above the parapet. Um, whether or not that's a, that's something that's a risk that you should take as a GP. I, I, I think you probably should because, um, I see it as a as, as a cause that needs to be addressed, similar to 
HRT for women. But, mm. you know, this is the state that we're in right now. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, TRT involves them prescribing a class C drug. Yeah. It's a controlled drug. And that is something that I think would uh, potentially scare off some GPs. Yeah. Uh, you know, given how reluctant a lot of them would be to, you know, prescribe Valium or... or um, Tramadol. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, any of these, you know, these big things. Yeah, yeah. So there we are. That's that. That gets to the heart of it, really. And the, the news is, if you, the headline is, if you walk into your GP and say, "I think I have these symptoms of low testosterone," generally, you are not going to be uh, listened to. Yeah, they're probably going to try and treat the symptoms that you've got in other ways, whether that's with. Um, uh, uh, Viagra, or whether that's with uh, SSRIs. And so, I, I actually think that, and that you know, this is a this is a guess. I've not done this, but if you go into the GP as somebody who clearly takes care of themselves, someone who lifts, and you say, "I have, I think I may have low testosterone," um, they're just going to say, "Oh, well, that's just a gym goer that wants to become a sanctioned steroid user." Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we have, uh, there's a bit of a bind there as well. So yes. you were saying, um, so it affected your, your sex life, your progress in the gym, your ability to gain muscle and, yep. and keep fat off. And, mm. and also you said zest for life. So anxiety and depression as well. So pretty yeah. major things in terms of quality of life. If all of those tack at once, it would be, <laughs> right. be a bit, bit miserable. What is there left? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, food, love of food, that's still still okay, you know. <laughs> but you know, these are these are big things. I mean, if you're somebody who trains, you know, you're training for all sorts of reasons. Um, you're training for aesthetics. You're training for health. You're training for endorphins. You're training for socialising. You're training for you know making progress in stuff. Um, and you know, once that starts suffering. If if training is is such an important part of your life as it had become to me, then yeah, that really sucks massively. And for for a lot of our readers, if we get down to it, and this is consistently shown time, you know, when when a client signs up with us and, and you, we examine their goals and we do the five whys, which is yeah, what is your goal? Why do you want to do that? And then why do you want that? And then why do you want that? Yeah. And it, you know, and and we're like the little kid in the back of the car that's like, why, why? Yeah. But but actually, at the root of it, it very often comes down to I am training to look be- look better naked, so that I am more attractive to the opposite sex, and so that I can have more sex. Um, that's yeah. a very common reason. And if you are sexually dysfunctional, sexually sexually dysfunctional, and still busting your ass in the gym, then it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And the irony is that, you know, low testosterone doesn't stop you from shredding. Uh, and I, I demonstrated that to myself. But it does stop you from, you know, then building up to be the sort of physique that you, you seek to have. Yeah. Which, if you are, if you're lean, but you have very little muscle mass to speak of, then um, you're not really going to look very impressive in or out of clothes. Yeah, exactly. Hello, Johnny here. Just a short interruption to this episode. I know what you're thinking. This show was brought to you by none of that. Trust me. We have something completely free, something to give you today. So we're aware that 
you guys who've been listening to our podcast, you've heard before us talk about the show notes and other places to go to download things from propanefitness.com. But we want to give those of you who listen to our podcast something completely different, something completely unique that we don't provide anywhere else. So we want to give you something that is actually a membership area or a membership portal where we have loads of free goodies, some downloads, some things to watch, some trainings, and some free presentations that we want to give you all bundled together completely free. All you have to do is go to propanefitness.com forward slash gift. There's no email opt-in. There's no enter your email and receive this. It's completely obligation-free. You just enter your email, enter your username rather, and your password, and then you'll be sent login details. So completely free. In there, we have some training on the 3i formula. That's the framework that we use with all of our coaching students and loads of other free goodies. So that's propanefitness.com forward slash gift. Head over there now pick up your free training and we hope you enjoy hope you enjoy the rest of this episode and we'll speak soon so we've talked about really the the start of this of this journey and where you were beforehand and and you kind of started then to go down the route of looking for um looking for some help what happened next so in having done quite a bit of research and realizing that my gp wasn't going to be much good to me uh, I used an online pharmacy, and are we, are we naming names of pharmacies and organisations in this um, podcast? Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, so it's it pharmacy to you, number two, letter U, uh, which are they're a fully sort of uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, bona fide online pharmacy in the UK, and I got an initial testosterone test from them, which was a finger prick sample that you you take, you bleed all over your kitchen, and then you send it back, uh, send it back in the post. And that was when I got my first reading, and then got a second reading done. And as soon as that happened, they prescribed me um, some testosterone gel called Tostran. And what happened was that I started applying that and. What they ask you to do is like a follow-up test. Well, the follow-up test uh, came back as something like 50, I think. And you'll remember that I said that the maximum uh, healthy value is like 30. Sure. And in fact, I think the 50 was actually to do with the limitation of the testing equipment more than anything else. Um, and so they said, right, you'll have to reduce the dose. <laughs> uh. So then reduced the dose and spent several months spinning my wheels, uh, applying this, this reduced amount of gel and not getting anywhere. And Did you feel any different when it went up to 50? Uh, marginally. Okay. Marginally. Because the thing was, what I discovered was that it wasn't going up to 50. Uh, there is a strange phenomenon that happens with uh, uh, topically applied testosterone treatment that means that when you take blood samples through capillaries, i.e. a finger prick test, uh, you're always going to get a high reading. Right. And it's, and it's not to do with contamination, which you might think, or maybe you had a bit of, bit of the gel on your finger when you did this. Uh, it's not that. It's some other strange thing that goes on, and uh, I've got some uh, research notes somewhere I can point you at if you really want to know about that. I wonder if but it's what, because you're rubbing it in with your finger and then you're taking a finger prick test. Yeah. That's what that's what you'd think, but apparently that's not the case. Okay. So <laughs> um, the answer is that you must, once you've started applying testosterone gel topically, 
um, you should switch to venous blood samples. So get a sample taken uh, with a with, with a needle. Mm. And they did that, and my testosterone was now eleven. Woohoo! Oh, great. So, so <laughs> still off the bottom of the scale. Uh, still that of an eighty-something-year-old man, um, but marginally better than that of a of a really really ill eighty-something-year-old man. So very quickly got tired of this and looked for alternatives and found a GP in Doncaster called Dr. Doug Savage, uh, who runs a clinic. Yes. Excellent name. (laughs) Uh, and here's the nicest man you could hope to meet. And he, he runs, uh, this clinic alongside his GP practice. Uh, he's practicing GP and I got on a train to see him and I took all my paperwork and, I explained what I've been, what I've been trying. He said, you don't want to mess about with that. I won't try and do his accent. Uh, broad, Donny accent. He said, you don't want to mess about with that. Uh, what you need is to be uh, considering uh, injecting uh, testosterone uh, intramuscularly. And I said, yeah, I'd sort of been reading about that, and I wasn't sure. Um, but he said, trust me, <laughs> this is going to be a lot better for you. And after doing various uh, physical examinations, he... Um, he prescribed me uh, Sustanon 250 on the spot and administered my first shot. And what was interesting to me, and of course it's purely placebo, I'm sure, is that even on the train on the way back, I was starting to feel better. Right. <laughs> and of course that was placebo because it takes a while for this stuff to kick in. But eventually, so I kept doing that, and it was basically one Sustanon 250 every uh, 14 days. Uh, self-injected it taught me how to how to inject and things started to improve my sex drive started to pick up uh, everything else started to work a lot better and this was sort of at the eight to twelve weeks mark All right so it does t- it does take a little time but slowly but surely things started to change and then Having seen that that's working, he then decided to switch me to uh, the other main treatment in the UK, which is called Nibido, uh, which is injected every 12 weeks. And it's a, a, a long ester. Uh, we won't go into esters because that's more complicated. But esters, uh, esterification is the is the process of binding a uh, of a drug to. Oh, you can des- you can describe this better than me. <laughs> um, so, so it'll bind to the, I think, to the proteins in your in your blood and, and release itself slowly, right, um, over time. Yes. So it's a it's a way of, and effectively, what happens is is that the this testosterone is in oil, and the oil is uh, uh, processed, if you like, by the body at a consistent and gradual rate, which means you can have an injection every twelve weeks, and. Since then, I haven't looked back. Right, that's interesting. So, what what are you feeling now across those those measures that you said before, and what was so, the difference? Well, yeah, I mean, everything worked well. <laughs> uh, gaining strength, uh, not gaining fat, and um, yeah, I mean, all my lifts have gone up dramatically, and nice. and in, in terms of uh, mental well-being so much better. Um, I mean, I wasn't in mentally in a bad place anyway, particularly. But there's something about really waking up, feeling on top of your day before it's begun, and 
one of the side effects of uh, TRT is that you don't put up with um, other people's BS <laughs> as much as you might do before. <laughs> right. Now, this, this, so, um, this is the juicy thing, I think, because uh, I find that particularly interesting, and it's probably something that people don't talk about much. Yeah, I think you know if if you t- if you talked if you talked about a stereotype of maybe somebody who's uh, using or abusing uh, uh, steroids. You might think, you know, steroid rage, you know, they're going to get really angry. Um, I think sometimes that's, that could be confused with actually just not putting up with any nonsense, which is sort of a few notches down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but certainly, you know, recognizing that, you know, if you've been low testosterone, that a lot of your thought processes that, that might naturally be more male than female um, are likely to have been subdued. So I think that's probably quite unsettling then. If you're you're suddenly getting um, maybe not new thought processes, but as you said, like you're uncovering um, existing processes that have been previously subdued, then it's probably going to cause a bit of disruption in your life if you've adapted to the previous mode of thinking. Right. And behaving. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's something that you do need to watch out for. I mean, it, it it is quite common, I gather, from reading on forums and talking to other people on TRT, is that once you start TRT, uh, all sorts of other things uh, can change. Whether that's your sort of job situation, whether that is your relationship situation, um, and other big sort of life choices. Um, it's it's quite there is quite often a correlation with um, sorting your hormonal health out and and being feeling able to sort of make and act on decisions that uh, maybe you've been mulling over for a while, which of course just comes down to confidence. So what happened in that regard? <laughs> <laughs> well, I changed career uh, and I changed my relationship status and um, yeah, a lot of big stuff. See, I mean, <laughs> both of those alone are hugely i mean that they they affect your every waking moment really so yes um, (laughs) so i mean i think that can be understated and yeah um i can definitely see how that would happen i think we we often see when somebody starts making any kind of major undertaking in terms of improving themselves whether it's a spiritual um you know spiritual undertaking and 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 start doing some real upheaval work spiritually and emotionally or they start mm. taking their diet and their training seriously it's going to have a wave of effects that is yes. um, that is unavoidable in the yes. rest of their life and if their local network are not on board with that then it's going to either isolate them from it or it's going to cause them to have to um, transcend that that network for example and that can include the relationships Absolutely. Or it might just help you see, you know, relationship status uh, in a different and clearer light and ask yourself whether you still want that. Right. So it's it's not necessarily a question of your lifestyle becoming incompatible with the other person, but it could be that you just maybe just have some more clarity as to where you're at in your relationship and you choose to act on it because you have that much more confidence. I think everybody could do with more clarity and seeing their own situation in a more of a more of a clear way, even if it is painful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, be careful what you wish for, but I would agree. Um, <laughs> and I think this is true about, you know, transformations in general. I think, you know, I, 
I'm doing some work with people on transformations. And of course, on the surface, they come to you and they'll say, well, I just want to lose a few pounds so I'll look good on the beach. And as you say, with the five whys, you know, once you start digging, there's, there's other stuff that they want. And this is a way to get it. And I think the nature of transformations is that, I think of it like this, you know, the, the caterpillar may not know everything about what it's like to be a butterfly, but it is true to say that it goes through its transformation knowing that a butterfly it shall be become. Right. right? It doesn't. It doesn't suddenly sort of pop out of the uh, out of the chrysalis and go, "Yikes! What happened? I've got these wings now." <laughs> See. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something about the caterpillar's journey that says, you know, one day I'm going to have my wings and the places I'm going to go are going to be amazing. So it's not unexpected. No, I don't think so. I think there is something that the the somatic self, let me get very deep on this now, mm. the somatic self uh, holds the keys to a lot of things. And if you sort the somatic self, the body, and the connection of the body and the mind, and the connection of body, mind, and spirit together, if you sort those out, that unlocks, unlocks a whole load of stuff. Just like, for example, your, how, your physiology can change your state. You know, the way you hold yourself, the way you carry yourself can determine whether you're in a good mood or a bad mood. It stands to reason that the way uh, you are in your body is going to determine how you show up in life. Oh, 100%. The, the mind is in the body. And I think yes. um, the Cartesian model of Western medicine that divides the, the mind and the body is really only done as a conceptual crutch. It's a way for us to categorize things and put them into neat little boxes. But there is right. nothing... In, grounded in the reality itself that makes the separation. Um, and we talk about this with, uh, with Kate Lachlan, where, you know, saying obviously the, the nervous system extends into every part of the body, as it has to, and yeah. um, the impact of the neurotic holding patterns, as Wilhelm Reich would put it, or just the, your posture even, or the way that you hold yourself, or the, the, all of your... Everything in your body can betray your mood and your character and the way that you see yourself. So, yeah, yeah 100% would agree with that. So when you combine a physical transformation and all the, the things that happen with that and also a, a hormonal transformation, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, that's rocket fuel. So that's revealing the, the truth in that sense. I feel certainly to be more towards my truer self than i ever was that's so incredible that's yeah, a huge thing it? to say isn't it yeah very cool um it, it's super cool um and you know i one. see i see old photographs of me and it and i don't just not recognize me in terms of how i looked but also i recognize that that wasn't me as a person wow so some so kind of to, weird dissociation. <laughs> yeah, well, to have been masked by um, patterns and conditioning and 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 the hormonal state and things that are are not um, that are not you, and to then be able to uncover the the true self, I think that's uh, that that is precisely the caterpillar butterfly situation, isn't it? So, aside from that, then the <laughs> the, the mood the the bullshit tolerance. Um, yeah. How were things like libido affected? 
oh, well, of course, uh, dramatically improved. Um, maybe to the point of being too improved. Right. Um, <laughs> <Like> 15 again. <laughs> yeah, maybe 19 and a half. But, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, if if you are looking good and you are feeling good and your hormones are all firing, then, yeah, watch out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again, well, absolutely. And and also, I mean, this is one of the sort of the, the side effects that actually may maybe you'd need to consider if you were going to start TRT. If you are in a relationship where that libido is not going to be fulfilled, uh, that in itself could create a problem for you. Very true. If you're with a partner who doesn't match your libido, uh, then which may yep. be the case because if yeah. if, you, if your libido is low for several years and then you're in a relationship where that has become the baseline, then yep. it's not in a way it's not even fair on the partner to suddenly if if you were to double or triple the amount of um, sexual advances that you make towards them, um, right? They may not be able to handle that. Yeah. And, and I think it's important that you discuss any decision to begin TRT uh, if you if that is what you need. You discuss that with any partner. True. And, and and explore what would happen. You know, if I if I if my libido improves to the point where you know it's too much for you, you know, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. it's better it's better to find out before than after. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it's an awkward question to broach, but you know, yeah, it's going to be the reality. Um, yeah. One more thing that you mentioned was the hematocrit. Can you talk briefly about that? Oh, yeah. So that's, um, well, you can explain what hematocrit is much better than I, uh, but I can talk about the fact that you need to keep an eye on it. Um, do you want to go first? <laughs> sure, you're really testing me here. So um, the hematocrit is the, the total amount of, of cells relative to fluid in your blood. Yeah. And so you don't want your blood thickness to become too much, otherwise it can start to basically clog things up yeah yeah you're basically at risk of uh clots and strokes and all that kind of stuff so the only reason i mentioned that uh is that you know if you're on trt there's regular sort of monitoring that you need to do um which your prescriber should be arranging for you uh it's trt is something you're going to take for life um the reason being that as as soon as you start taking exogenous, so external uh, testosterone, your na any natural production that you might have is going to shut down. And if you stop taking exogenous testosterone, you it may or may not restart. There are things that you can do to try and restart it, but they're not necessarily guaranteed. So you should consider this as a lifelong decision. This is not something you're just going to take for a few few years and then sort of drop off it again. Because if you do, you're suddenly going to feel like that uh, eight year old man again. Right. So basically, take this uh, take the situation take the decision seriously. And it it yeah. absolutely frightens me about using steroids because none of the <clears throat> like everything that you've mentioned so far, the safeguards don't exist when you're using recreational steroids. And sure. people often accuse. Um, me and Johnny, uh, particularly me for some reason, even though I'm like sub 80 kilos of using steroids, maybe it's just the way I look on camera, but uh, it's, I, we can, we absolutely would not even start because first of all, quality control, 
Mm. How do you know that, yeah. well, in fact, you, you most likely, what are you, whatever you're injecting has been carried across the country in some guy's bum. Um, and, like, <laughs> or, or brewed in his bath. <laughs> or brewed in his bath, yeah, great. Um, plus the, the fact that it's, the, the, the doses, we, we, the quality control, so we don't know, are the dose that it says on the tin, is that what it actually is? Yep. Um, is it even the same compound? And yep. when, when, you, when you have a, a cycle, you, you know, the, the doses that are generally recommended by the bro scientists on forums are so astronomical, followed sure. by very rickety post-cycle therapy and then coming off and you know, then you're living in a kind of shadow of your former self, um, that you know, unless you're going to be doing this under medical supervision as a yep. lifelong thing and you are fully accepting and fully um, willing to take on the multifaceted impact on the rest of your life, then <clears throat> to me it seems absolutely backward. And what I think often happens to people who use uh, recreational steroids is they end up on TRT. So that's not ideal then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it just says, you know, once you've, once you've uh, interfered with your natural hormone production, you know, you may or may not get it back. Well, I'm going to include an image in the show notes or this article, which uh, has the testosterone levels of ex-steroid users at the age of 50 compared to right. regular 50-year-old men. And in general, um, you know, apart from the cases of like cases like yourself, resistance training can offset a lot of the age-related decline in androgen synthesis which is right. very helpful. So if you are an older man listening to this and you're worried about um, testosterone declining, then one of the ways that you can naturally maintain your testosterone levels will be simply to do some resistance training three times a week. Yeah. So that leads us on to, actually, are there any other ways that, that you know of, this was a common question I got from people, of how can they naturally increase their own testosterone levels? I, I did do some research into this, and it was pretty inconclusive. I mean, look, you can buy a whole load of supplements uh, which are alleged to, you know, sort of various sort of plant extracts and this, that, and the other that, that are alleged to in increase your testosterone levels, um, but I don't think there's much science out there to support them. I don't think they've been clinically evaluated. Um, and if they had, why wouldn't we all be taking horny goat weed or whatever it is? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think there's certainly some, you know, if you are carrying excess fat, then losing that fat will help you uh, as long as it doesn't uh, tank your testosterone because you've had so much fat or you've lost it too quick. Um, certainly, I think, I think there has been some data, as you say, on the resistance training, certain kinds of resistance training, like leg day is supposed, supposed to be... Uh, something that stimulates more testosterone production because it's the, you know, a larger muscle group uh, that you're working with than, say, you know, upper body. Um, but the reality is, is that if your natural testosterone production has tanked, and that could be for uh, two reasons. You'll hear people talk about primary and secondary hypogonadism, which is the, the clinical diagnosis of all of this. Uh, primary is when your, uh, your uh, testes stop uh, producing testosterone uh, and secondary is when the signals <clears throat> that are supposed to tell your testes to produce testosterone uh, stop working 
right? So there's these two different things. And the, the secondary stuff could be caused by a pituitary tumor uh, and several other things, or it could just be uh, age-onset secondary, and that's what they concluded I had. Um, there are some other things that can disrupt your uh, testosterone production. Pesticides uh, is one, for example. And I can't help but wonder, having grown up uh, in the countryside, uh, whether that could have been part of it. And in all of this, I don't know for how many years of my life I've been low testosterone. And it could be that it goes back goes back a long way. There's a lot of potential environmental hormone disruptors which we've yeah. been exposed to. And really, I don't know the um, extent to which they are affecting our levels because they're so ubiquitous yeah. that... It's hard to know, and it would be so interesting to see that um, take someone into this kind of isolation chamber, remove all of those environmental estrogens or, or xenoestrogens, and yep. see what um, what their blood levels of hormones change to, and then reintroduce yep. them. Things like it's stuff is, we can't avoid: aerosols, plastics, um, pesticides, as you said, even supposedly tap water now i'm getting my tinfoil hat on but <laughs> and they say that because estrogen yeah. is a much more robust stable molecule than testosterone um when the the increased amount of people taking the estrogen pills contraceptive pills um slowly filters into the water from them weeing yeah. out and that you know very slight concentrations of estrogen are increasing in tap water over yeah. time now whether that has a clinical effect on us or not, I don't know. But combined with all the rest of the, the other stuff, it seems like we're, we're fighting a very uphill battle to maintain testosterone in the modern age. And they think that this is partly uh, responsible for the, gen the, the global decline in people's sperm counts over yep. the last 30 years. Yep. Pretty frightening. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and we're not going to get to the bottom of it i don't think no. and you know that the key message i think is that first of all that um you know if it's natural for you know female hormones to to fall off over age and um, particularly with sort of you know particular sort of life stages then why don't we think about it as being natural for men and and to treat it as a medical profession, I mean, not a, I'm not a medical professional, um, but as a medical profession, sort of begin to sort of address this head on. Um, and secondly, recognize that, you know, given that there are all these environmental things, um, and, you know, particularly, I think, if you're carrying excess fat, um, you are, as you said much earlier in this conversation, you know, you are more likely to aromatize um testosterone into estrogen which is more likely to sort of precipitate these effects some of some of these symptoms of low testosterone are also symptoms of higher estrogen um and, so and that can make it of, quite confusing so there's this kind of two-pronged approach really then if you're going the natural route which is try and limit that as much as possible so lose, yes. lose fat as you said and unfortunately for the guys asking this like i'd love to be able to say oh, just take berberine or um, <laughs> horny goat weed or something. But ultimately, the answers yeah. are pretty boring, which is don't be fat, reduce your alcohol intake, sleep more, yeah. and eat more eggs. Like, none of those things are particularly sexy 
<laughs> um, solutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And reducing yeah. stress. Yeah, and that will optimize what you what you naturally have. And if 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 what you not naturally have isn't enough, then then think about getting tested uh, for low testosterone. And so, for someone who wants to get tested, particularly in the UK where it's going to be much more of a struggle, what would you recommend that they arm themselves with? Like, do you, do you recommend they go with your approach of you know contacting pharmacy to you, getting a um, getting uh, well, a blood I, test? So. There's two ways to go about this. Um, you can try and do this all through your GP. Um, you are not likely to get very far. You are likely to get further with your GP if you have two sets of test results uh, taken at two-week intervals. And I personally recommend that you use a company called medichecks.co.uk, I think they are. We'll check it out and put it in the show notes. And they do a basic uh, hormone profile um, which will cost you, oh, can you remember how much it was? It's something like 40 pounds, yeah. 40, 50 pounds, something like that. And you basically, they'll send you a, uh, a test kit and you do a self, uh, you know, a finger prick test and you send the blood back off in the post and a few days later you get your results. So do the first one. If it comes out uh, low or borderline, uh, do it again. And if you've then got two sets of lower borderline results, then you are in a better position to go and talk to a GP about it, who will probably refer you to an endocrinologist because most GPs are not, uh, I don't know whether they're not able to or they don't uh, feel empowered to prescribe directly. I think most of them do it under the direction of an endocrinologist, so that that's the professional protocol. So be prepared then for a possibly three to six month wait to see an endocrinologist who may or may not have any experience about TRT. Uh, most endocrinologists, uh, their experience is, is around um, insulin and diabetes. Um, TRT is not a, a, a massively um, common thing in their training or a big part of their training. And of course, in terms of their uh, patient base they don't see many TRT patients. Um, there are some clinics that there are some uh, endocrinologists who are more clued up than others. And we can point you at some forums where you can ask questions about um, how to find those people. Um, so eventually, once you've seen the endocrinologist, you may get prescribed. Uh, uh, these days, it'd probably be Nibido on the NHS. And that'll be administered every 10 to 12 months by every 10 to 12 weeks, rather. By uh, you, you basically get it prescribed by your GP and you'll go into your practice and the practice nurse will administer it, inject it for you. Fantastic. So that's, that's the NHS way to go about it. If you want to go privately, um, there are all sorts of uh, male hormone clinics uh, who will charge you varying amounts. Um, if you go to... Again, if you go to MediChecks um, and get two sets of test results and then go and see one of these clinics, the chances are they'll treat you straight away. If they insist on having their own bloods again, then, you know, maybe be a bit cautious. I've already mentioned the name of uh, Doug Savage at the Ledger Clinic in Doncaster. He is a fantastic guy. He's well worth getting on a train to go and see because he knows his stuff. He's one of, <clears throat> I think he's one of five 
there's like a gang of five in the UK uh, who really are on top of this and they lecture about it uh, all over the world. And, you know, they are, they are the experts and Sunday night Doug will, um, once he's understood exactly what's going on, he'll be very quick to sort of help you. And actually it's quite affordable. You know, that, that said, libido is about a hundred pounds ago um, for 12 weeks for 12 weeks. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you're looking at sort of all in, I suppose you're looking at with consultation and blood tests and all the rest of it, you're looking at about five, 600 pounds a year, something like that. Which if that's going to improve quality of life across all facets, then fine. So yeah. if, if you went for the Nibido through, you know, let, let's say you went to go, you went private route, you got the Nibido privately. What, if you were then to switch to the NHS and say, look, I've had this, uh, had this prescribed, these have been my results, I'm looking for a continuation of my treatment, what do you think they would say? Well, I can tell you what they say, because that's what I did. <laughs> so once we established that the libido was working, I then went to my GP and say, uh, with a letter, a letter from Dr. Savage, um, saying, you know, this is what we've been doing, and it seems to be working. And, of course, the GP is still going to say, ah, oh, so you need to see an endocrinologist. And you go and see the endocrinologist, and they say, okay, well, we need to do our own tests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what they'll have you do is probably wash out for probably 16 weeks. So you'll have 16 weeks after your last Nibido shot. Right. They'll have you wait 16 weeks. Uh, to make sure you've really got it out of your system so they can get some baseline figures that will show you you've got low testosterone. The stupid thing about this is that once you have started treatment uh, with exogenous testosterone, there's there's two, um, ooh, two hormones they're looking at. One is called luteinizing hormone and one is follicle stimulation hormone, I think, FSH. Yeah. And... As soon as you start, and, and basically before you start treatment, the ratio of those two will, or the value and the values of those two will help them figure out whether it's this primary, i.e., your balls don't work, or secondary, uh, in that the signaling doesn't work, right? However, once you've started exogenous testosterone, those two fall to zero and they don't come back, right? Unless you do this sort of post cycle therapy. So, actually, uh, for the endocrinologist to say, well, I want to figure out if it's primary or secondary, um, is pointless because, you know, you should do that before. So what I would say is before you start any treatment, if you go down the private testing route, um, make sure you're getting LH and FSH checked because you'll never get those values back again. And the NHS in particular will want to know what's the cause. The reason for them wanting to know what the cause is, is because, amongst other things, they're trying to rule out whether you have um, a uh, prolactinoma um, on the pituitary, pituitary, I can never say it, say it for me, pituitary gland, Um, uh, which might need further investigation, it might need an MRI, and it might even need surgery or treatment, other kind of treatment, right? So this is why they're doing it, but unfortunately, just washing out 14 weeks isn't going to give them the data they need to make that decision. So, <laughs> so then you're going to be off for longer and longer. So you're going to be off for a long period of time and you're going to be feeling like that 80-year-old man again. 
16 weeks is a long time as well. If you if you discover yeah. the cause, you know what the problem is, you know that the treatment is working, and then it's like, hey, I'm just going to stop the treatment for four months or longer just so that I can prove to the NHS that this is what I need. Yeah. And maybe it's worth just continuing with the £600 a year. Absolutely. Um, although recognising that, I say, this is for life, and, you know, maybe you do want this to be... Uh, you don't want to be spending that money. Yeah, I mean, it's up to you. But just just know that if you switch from private to NHS uh, endocrinologist, you are likely to have to do all of the testing again. Right. Interesting. So you mentioned a couple of resources, um, some forums. So we've got here that it's uh, the, the testosterone subreddit. And yes, that's a very good forum. I mean, that's got people from all, all around the world. So you'll see if, if you're in the States, that's particularly good for getting advice on how you can get started uh, with testing and then ultimately treatment if you, should you need it. Um, there's also another forum called Androids UK, which is androids.org.uk, I think. We'll check it. We'll put it in the show notes, uh, which is a UK forum. Uh, super helpful. That's where I learned about Doug Savage. Um, very, very supportive. And it's people there who have low testosterone for all sorts of reasons, whether it's because uh, uh, just sort of signaling failures, but also people, for example, who might have had testicular cancer and have one or both testicles removed. Um, so it's a really, really lovely forum in there. Uh, people are super helpful, all helping each other. So if you've got any questions about this, um, that's a good place to go. Um, of course, there are lots of other online forums uh, around male fitness and uh, testosterone, but they're likely to be more inclined towards recreational use slash abuse of uh, steroids. Right. Awesome. So we will stick all of those resources in the show notes, as well as a couple of videos and extra um, links to propane content around testosterone. So particularly the podcast episode on why we chose not to take steroids, um, how does the type of training impact testosterone, how does alcohol and sleep impact testosterone, what you can do about it, and a few more tips for increasing your natural levels, um, assuming that it's bringing it, up, bringing it up within the normal range. And then if things are still low and you're still experiencing any, anything that resonates with you, then it's worth following some of his advice and uh, getting yourself checked out, seeing if, it's, if TRT is something for you. So definitely, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It's so such a fascinating topic, and we could go on for ages. But thanks so much. Anything else you wanted to uh, add before we wrap up? Sure. Nothing I can think of. It's been quite the conversation, huh? It has. Yeah, we've covered a lot. So um, we'll stick all of those resources for anyone listening in the show notes, and we'll speak to you next week. Great. Hope it's been useful. Hey, Johnny again. Hope you enjoyed that episode of the Propane Fitness Podcast. Just a short reminder, if you're listening to this, driving in your car and you're thinking, man, I really wish I had a reference that they made in minute five or 10 or whatever to that thing that they were talking about. Well, we've, we put together show notes for these podcasts every single week. We give you timestamps, we give you links to things we talk about, and we also give chances to grab free things bonuses etc so head over to propanefitness.com and grab the show notes for this episode over there also if you want to be notified of these podcasts when they come out if you want free subscribe subscriber only benefits 
stick your email address in and grab our free downloads, one of the many free downloads if you go to propinfitness.com and the homepage. There's a big red banner on the top of the website. Pick up that free ebook, that free download, and we'll send you emails whenever a new podcast is available. Just one short reminder as well. As you are a podcast listener, you have access to our exclusive free gift that is available nowhere else. And that is at propinfitness.com forward slash gift. Yeah.